Dum Dum Away! Zero, zero, one, one, zero, 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 one, zero, one, zero, one, 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 To Screen Review Time Warp, I'm Tyson. And I'm Andrew. And I'm Zach. And this is where we look at the past, present, and future of all things TV and movies. Ooh. That's correct. How are yes. we all? How are oh. we feeling on this uh, fine yeah. morning? I'm not well, too bad. How are you doing? Come back. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, first and foremost, even though this is a fifth episode, there is no guest. Mm, unfortunately This not. week. Couldn't this lock week, anyone this in. Episode. No. Yeah, we, uh, we had someone who was going to come in, but then they got a bit sick and then they mm. disappeared out of the country. So no. I think they were just really hardcore avoiding us. <laughs> no, disappeared yeah. Disappeared out of the country. Yeah. It's a busy time here in Australia. It's true. It is. For so, everyone involved. Yeah. No guest this week, but we are going to be looking at Titans, which is DC's newest show on the DC Universe mm. app slash channel in Anywhere where that app is available, but not here in Australia. Nope. No, because we're Australia. So in they- Australia, we <laughs> have it on Netflix. So Which it's- they claim is a Netflix original series. Yeah, Everything, man. very funny. Everything. Have this big, tra- this big thing on the top. Oh, a Netflix original series. I'm like, mm, pretty sure that's not true. <laughs> that's a lie. Wow, but Netflix anyway. has so many good original shows, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How much money do they have? Money. Made by BBC Canada. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Okay. Anyway, let's start off in the past. Um, mm. First and foremost, Andrew, you're bringing us a movie from 1999. That is correct. All the way back to the 1990s. 20 years ago now. I wasn't even alive then. Oh, my uh, goodness. 20 years? Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. Right. So, the movie I'm bringing has an 8.5 Metacritic score on IMDb. Mm. So, it's up there. It's high. Mm. I'm bringing The Green Mile. Ooh. Ooh. Now, we've all seen The Green Mile, I'm assuming. Yeah, of course. Tyson. Oh, Tyson. You've got it over there on the DVD. I was going to say, I just yeah, no, saw it I, like on your... I borrowed it like four years ago. How have you not watched this movie? It, I just, it's a long movie. It's, th- it's over three hours. So? And I just, I keep meaning to. And then three well, hours the is a long time. is over time. three hours, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I bet you'll watch that again, though. Uh, in my defense, I haven't watched Lord of the Rings since I borrowed the Green Mile. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh oh um, wow go on but anyway it, I do know it is a Stephen King story and yes. it is also directed by Frank Darabont who mm. previously directed The Shawshank Redemption which mm. is yes. another Stephen King story yeah so what's it about well it is about a man <laughs> uh-huh. good start <laughs> good start now it looks at the character of Tom Hanks and a guy called Michael Clark Duncan who has unfortunately left us he has passed away that's the actor that's the actors yes um, so it, the lives of a guard on death row are affected by one of their changing guards uh, of a black man who is accused of child murder and rape but then mm. mysterious things start to happen yeah. within yeah. the cells so the way that this movie is described it's called a crime drama fantasy mystery that mm. is literally the perfect adaptation for it because there's a lot of supernatural stuff in there yeah, as well. well uh, not a Isn't lot, there? but the bits that you do see are very, like, supernatural miracles. Yeah. Looking at the whole, like, God the Father and all that type of stuff. So, yeah. this movie, it is superbly acted. Mm, like, there is, is hey. nothing to criticize or say, oh, they could have done this better, that better. Everything is perfect. Tom Hanks is brilliant, as mm. always. Michael Clark Duncan, was this his first movie? Or I'm major not sure if it was his first. I think like this is one that put him on the role. map. Though. Yeah, because yeah, like, he, he went to what was it Armageddon after this? Yeah, yeah. Definitely, I think one of his more iconic performances. Yeah. as well. I really loved him in this. He plays mm. the sim- 
like not a simpleton, but mm. working on the fields and the plantation. Mm. He's just very simple. Yeah. With the way that he speaks and portrays himself, just, you know, can you please leave the light on because I'm scared of the dark. It's mm. just like you're like the size of a mountain and exactly. you're scared of the dark. Yeah, exactly. And life goes on and it, certain things start to happen within the prison. So like a mouse comes out, this really bad guy gets put into the prison because he's on death row as well. And the story from there just takes off. Like this movie is has a tragic storyline and it ends tragically as well. If you want to look at it that way, the way yeah. it ends is quite tragic. It is. It is a bit of a sad ending. I was going to say the only thing, not the only thing, but like I know that um, uh, what's it, Michael Clark Duncan's character mm. is called John Coffee. Yeah, which someone told me is like it's supposed to be an allegory because the initials are JC. It's supposed to be yeah. an allegory, allegory for Jesus Christ. Is that yeah. true? He, the things that he does in this movie, like um, he brings a mouse back to life. Yeah, okay. And he, Tom Hanks is suffering with like a very bad bladder infection throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And then John Coffey at one point grabs him through the bars and takes it away. Yeah, okay. And that's, yeah. I was going to say, those are very straight from the <laughs> New Testament. Yeah. 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 So those types of things. And then um, the warden of the prison, his wife is dying. Yep. And because all of these guys on death row are really good friends with the warden, mm. they break John Coffey out of prison, take him to the warden's house where he heals her of this huge brain tumor in her head. Yeah. Yeah. And wow, then take okay. him back. So when he heals someone or does a miracle, he spends a few minutes coughing and then he splits yep. out all this black stuff out of his mouth that kind of just evaporates into the air. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, it's very Stephen King, right? Very Stephen King. Lots of um, fantasy. Yep kind yeah. of going on there and it's oh, it is such a good movie it is long it is three hours yeah but it is very emotional especially towards the end you know a bit of tears can build up and stuff like that did for me i was so. gonna say it's a good change of pace coming because mm. this is off the back for frank darrenport off shawshank redemption yeah where it's a very similar prison movie but it's yep. not heavily grounded in reality like the shawshank redemption is yeah this one obviously it's stephen king adaptation but yeah. it's leaning more towards that kind of supernatural-esque kind yeah. of vibe the, which when i first saw it i didn't think it would head in that direction i just yeah. thought oh this is going to be like another prison movie tom hanks yeah no stephen king i that, just thought yeah that's what it leads you into cause exactly it's all about right? a prison it's called the green mile because of the certain paint that they used to paint the prison mm. that particular block mm. that's why they call it the green mile because it has a green tinge to it yeah, okay mm-hmm. yeah um but then yeah once John Coffey comes into it, which he's like, my name's John Coffey, just spelt different, mm. you know, which is his yeah. famous line, which he says to like 50 different people yeah, throughout right, the okay. whole thing. But um, no, it's, it is really good because it starts off with a very old Tom Hanks, like yeah. obviously an older actor playing him. And then he starts to tell the story of working there. Oh, and using his I wife. Had no back idea it was yeah, like that. Because he has like a best friend in the old age, old age home or some lady that he starts yeah. talking to because some... A movie was playing in the old age home and he gets way too emotional and has to get out. Yeah. And then he starts telling her this story and that mouse in the movie, which he brings back to life, they end up calling Mr. Jingles, (laughs) which is really, it's it's cute. It's very cute. And then you find out that when Mr. Jingles was brought back to life, that John Coffey had given some of his power to the mouse. Yeah. And he also did the same thing to Tom Hanks' character when he took away the bladder problem. And then touched him to show him other things that were going on with other people in the prison. Yeah. So then he could see what was going on. So when the movie ends, he goes, myself and Mr. Jingles here are 113 years old. 
Wow. Because that's the power that's been given to him. Yeah. He has to live forever. That's his sacrifice for killing John Coffey because he's on death row. Yeah. And that's the price he has to pay to live forever and see all his friends go. Oh, so it's, Gosh. it starts off tragically and it does kind of end tragically because mm, like everyone here. Heartbroken just having yeah. you explain it to me. <laughs> so I cannot rave about this movie enough. Oh. oh. If there's one movie you need Emotional. to see, this is the movie you wow. need to see. Gosh. It's, yeah, in the, okay. it's in the stratosphere. It's, it's up there with some of the best movies ever done. Mm. So definitely watch it. Well, I've heard that from. Did it, did it win any awards or anything? No, it won no awards. It was nominated for a lot of awards, but okay. never successfully won. So it was won nominated one. for four Oscars. Yep. Um, it's rated in IMDb's top rated movies, number 31. Yep. So pretty high. Yeah, I've heard amazing things about this movie constantly. Mm. It's just... What did you think, Zach? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I saw this maybe like two years ago. Yeah. So I haven't seen it since because it is three hours. Yeah. Um, and I just haven't brought myself to watch it again. But look, I went in with that mindset of this is just going to be another prison movie. And I was yeah. gratefully surprised. Yeah. Um, definitely the way it pulls you through and is constantly subverting your expectations of, mm. what, of, of what and how we can tell a story within a prison and make it new and fresh and yeah. not just making it the same. I'm on death row. Um, but I'm actually got like a heart of gold and being in this prison, you know, I've changed, I'm a new man, that type of stuff. Yeah. And it was cool. I really, I did like enjoy it. I don't rate it as highly as say you do, but I appreciate it for what it is. And yeah. Enjoy I, it. I definitely rate it highly. No. So, yeah. Um, but you know, like we said, it's three hours, but it doesn't feel. No, it doesn't. Like three hours because no. the story's so um, encapsulating. Mm. That's not even a word. Encapsulating? Encapsulating. That's the word I was going for. There it go. definitely, it keeps you locked in. Keeps you on your toes. Seeing where we're going to with each scene. So, so Frank Darabont also did The Shawshank Redemption, as we've mentioned, mm-hmm. which is rated number one on IMDb's top rated movies. Yep. Would you rate Shawshank Redemption... Oh, sorry. Would you rate The Green Mile better or worse than Shawshank Redemption? I rate it as different. Okay. Yeah. You so can't, not quite comparable? Good. Yeah. Like, you can't... Shawshank's all scale. about someone who's innocent trying to get out does the great escape. All that type of thing. It's like a. It's definitely based in mystery, but it's not the same as this. This isn't yeah, about okay. healing so people and not really, bringing things even back. Even though to they're life. both yeah. prison movies, not really comparable. No, not at all. No, no. fair enough. Yeah, no, they're two good. different. They go for two different vibes. Yeah, because like it's it's death yeah. row, so there's only like four cells on each side of the corridor. Yeah, because those people in there aren't there for long. Because they're going to yeah, be actually, killed. that was going to be my next yeah. question. How long? As in, what time period is this? Like, are we talking weeks? Is it years? Uh, or? It doesn't really say because. Okay. When John Coffey finally goes into the cell, they give them the date that he's going to go. Yep. But it doesn't tell you how long away that is. Yeah, okay. So as soon as the people go into the cell, they've got their date set, but you yep. don't know when this movie's set. Like yeah, what okay. month or what okay. year or... Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So good. All right. Well, that was The Green Mile, 1999. Mm. I am going to bring for us um, my... It's up there as one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is it really 2005? It yes, is. from 2005, V for Vendetta. Wow. Um, this was, was uh, written and directed by the Wachowski. Well, it wasn't directed. Sorry? It wasn't directed by the oh, Wachowski. Oh, no, you're right. Sorry, I keep. I always forget that. You're right. Mm. It was written by the Wachowski brothers, mm-hmm. who are not brothers anymore. Yep. Um, sisters. They're sisters now. Yep. Um, it was directed by James McTeague, mm-hmm. um, based on the graphic novel by... Um, Oh, goodness. John Lloyd illustrated it. This Alan Moore. Alan Moore wrote it. 
Who did it come out by? Um, Vertigo. Vertigo. Which is, an, which is DC's darker brand. Yeah. Um, tells the story of a um, vigilante freedom fighter called V, and it is set in a somewhat future, like near future. Mm. Very dystopian, um, right? Yes, very dystopian. Near future uh, Britain, where there is like a. Um, it is a dictatorship kind of government. Yeah. Um, it is ruled by one person. Um, and it is set after some big event where, like, what... So they describe it as, like, a terrorist attack that, like, you know, wiped out a whole bunch of the British population. Mm. There's mention at one point of the US, which is now a third-world nation in economic collapse, mm-hmm. and they have no food and no money, <laughs> and, like, Britain's basically returned to be the, the, the superpower power of the world. Yep. Yeah. Um, not many other nations are actually mentioned, but obviously the US is one of the big ones. And, yeah, it follows this character of V, um, who you never see his face never mm, at all. Ever. He's constantly wearing a Guy Fawkes mask. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Guy Fawkes was a man who tried to destroy the British Houses of Parliament yep. in... <laughs> I don't know the date. A very long time ago. <laughs> it was um, in the 1700s. Yeah. Thank you. But it's you still celebrated every year with Guy Fawkes Night. Yeah. With a big um, bonfire. Which is very interesting. And for those of you who don't know like the Guy Fawkes mask or anything, it's more recently been adopted by the hacker group Anonymous. Anonymous. Yep. So, and they get it, they actually get it directly from V for Vendetta, yeah. not from Guy Fawkes. No. So, V for Vendetta obviously take it as a parallel and then they take it further. So, yeah, I really, really like this movie because it's, it resonates with me with a lot of superhero movies and why I think people like superhero movies to begin with, even mm. though V is not a superhero. Um, it takes someone and it puts them in a situation and, and they do the things that you think are the right things to do, mm-hmm. although a lot of people usually do not have the ability to do those things. So, mm-hmm. for example, the reason I think why so many people are drawn to superhero movies is because they are the ones that can do what is right and they can sometimes yeah. step out of the law to get you know, justice or whatever and they can do what everyone can wants to do but can't necessarily now in this one i think it's it's very interesting and i actually think about it more and more um as i get older and you know start having to live in the real world Mm. um where you know what happens if a government is doing something that is wrong that is wrong yeah Mm. now obviously in most democratic nations there is a voting process but when you take it and there's like a it's a dictatorship and you can't change the government like what happens then um and yeah, so it's really, it's interesting, this idea of like, so he sets the stage and he destroys um, the old Bailey, which is their highest court in mm-hmm. Britain, yeah. I believe. And then they say that, you know, oh, it's, it's, you know, we did that. The government said, oh, we did it. And they kind of put this spin on it. And then mm. he kind of hacks into the news network and he's like, no, mm. I did it. Yeah. And in a year from now, I'm going to blow up the British House of Parliament. Yeah. yeah. And it's this, it's really interesting because everyone initially is like, he's a terrorist. He's the worst thing to happen to this nation. And then mm. over the course of a year, you see people kind of come around to his style of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so well done, so well executed. Mm. And... It also stars, uh, so it stars Hugo Weaving as V, although, as I said, you never see his face at all. You don't, um, he's so good, man. So Honestly, well done. He captures this performance, like we, as Tyson said, we never see the face at all, right? Yeah. And through his body language, his voice, his tone, it's just so convincingly creates this character who yeah. has 
been obviously severely wronged by the government and yeah. his yeah. you understand his motivations and his his kind of backstory just without what, any facial What was stress. his backstory again? So he in the big, spoilers. Well, I mean it's yeah, it's, it's up now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just looking out for you in guys. In his so one thing is you don't actually ever know who he yeah, was yeah, before yeah. this kind of event. He basically gets taken into this um really a concentration camp yeah. um, and he gets experimented on mm-hmm. and like they are, so the it's set as like they're trying to find this cure for this virus that's killing everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just like mass killing people. And yeah. this is the thing. So the people who are in this concentration camp are the, they're the African-American people or the black people. And they are the homosexuals and they are, they're yeah. all the, like the people that this particular government deems to be, um, you know the wrong people. Like it's a, it's also set up as like this semi-Christian kind of yeah. government, mm-hmm. um, and they use the church as like their big power movement. Um, but anyway, he is in this, and he kind of survives this treatment and breaks out in the yeah. middle of a fire, which burns him completely. So the reason mm-hmm. he says that you know you don't see anything is because he's completely scarred. Yeah. Um, and at one point you see his hands, and they're like red and just like melted and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's his backstory. But you deliberately don't ever find out who he was, who he was, and you yeah. don't find out um, any of his backstory prior to these events. Um, but then it's also a great revenge story as well. Like yeah. you go through, and he he finds the people who are in charge of Lark Hill, which was this concentration camp he was in, and he systematically goes through and essentially kills them all, takes them out because yeah. of what they've done. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to look at like the people who were re- regretful and yep. those who weren't. So there's only one person who actually regrets her decisions and like he does, he still kind of goes like, you are going to die because mm. of like, I am killing you because of these consequences. But he does, because she is regretful, he does it in a way that is far more peaceful for her yep. as opposed to the others. Mm. Um, and yeah, the other thing that I love about this is that the, because he is faceless and nameless throughout the entire movie, the very final scene, the, the policeman's asking Natalie Portman's character, you know, who was he? And she was like, oh, he was my father and my mother and yeah. he was you and he was me and he was, you know, the like he, it's just all these mentions and like then the crowd lists and it's all these people who have died. Uh, like they all, like they're there and it's this great, the, the symbolism in this movie is so good and it's, and it's not hidden either. Like yeah. it's so easy to pick the symbolism mm, in this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I love it. This is a movie that I can watch and rewatch over and over and over and mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. And I also like always lose it. Like I'm bawling <laughs> whenever um, Natalie Portman is in the prison. Yeah, okay. Oh my goodness. She's getting all those letters through the oh, hole yeah. in the wall. That's right. <laughs> oh my, like, so she has all these letters of this person and then you find out that they weren't actually real or she thinks they're not real, that they're all part of this ruse made by V to try and like free her. And she's like really angry and she's like, well, I'm going to give these back to you because they're clearly not real. Yeah. And they were the thing that, that actually brought her to this breaking point and set her free. And then he's like, oh no, they were real. They were from the person in Lark Hill who was in the block next to me who died. And you just like, and then it's like, you see all these scenes again of her Oh my goodness! I lose it. Like Ouch. I have to like pause it. Me like. <laughs> I mean, like, do you consider V the protagonist of this film, or do you consider Natalie Portman's character the protagonist of this film? 
Ooh, that's interesting. Um, because you obviously you've talked a lot about V, but I think it's because isn't Natalie Portman supposed to be like the main? And I've seen the movie, but it's, she's yeah. very much heavily focused at the start, right? Well, Natalie Portman is the connection to the real world mm. because mm. V is a like because he's faceless and nameless. Natalie Portman is she kind of is the representation of the the greater population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is the person who has a job and who is affected on the day to day. And has a face and a name and a history that you can relate to, mm-hmm. like you know her childhood, you know how like what she's done to get to this point and everything. Whereas V doesn't, so she, yeah, yeah I would say, I would say that V is definitely the main protagonist, but okay. she is, she is also a protagonist because she makes that link between mm-hmm. the real population and V. Okay, so interesting. Yeah, it's good. Great film. Definitely watch. I need to watch it again. Oh, I love sure. it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Two years ago, I reckon I last saw it. But it's great. Really enjoyed it. I mm. think it's very much got like the Wachowski stamp on it. Um, yeah. Like in terms of the whole just aesthetic, the cinematography, like the, just everything about it has that stamp on it. Um, but I really enjoyed it for what it is. And I think it's a pretty good adaptation as well of the source material. Yeah. I mean, the original author doesn't. He's pretty anti it. But Oh, is he actually? Yeah, but Alan Moore is basically against... Just every, every single ad- one yeah, of the adaptations say. of his works. Um, it, look, it is fun. To, it is different from the book, but it's also... Is it? Oh, okay. Like it is and it isn't, but that's a conversation for another time. It is. All right. I'm closing out the past now with a film that came out in 2015. It's called The Lobster. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't heard of this film. This film is directed by a man called um, Yagos Lanthimos. Um, the reason I picked this film was because um, Yagos has recently nodged 10 nominations at the Oscars for his film, The Favourite, which I put as my ah. second favourite film of 2018. Um, this film does star Colin Farrell, Rachel Wise, Olivia Coleman, Ben Whishaw, John C. Riley, and Leah oh, Sado. Ben Whishaw, he I is know. fantastic. Just to name a few. So the plot, it's set in a dystopian society where single people must find a mate within 45 days within a certain compound or be transformed into an animal of their choice. So. Of their choice. Of their choice. And then pick a dragon. Released into the woods, it says. Mm-hmm. That's so random. Hmm. This film is very, it is, it's, it's very absurdist. It is very random. Like the plot just throws you off, but it's yeah. actually very creative in what the film strives to be because this entire film, particularly the scenes where we're set within this kind of I'm going to say compound because it feels extremely clinical. Like yep. whenever we're there, like the delivery of Colin Farrell's lines, the atmosphere that Yagos creates and Olivia Coleman, her character kind of overseeing this compound where you have to find a mate. It is very clinical. It's like everything's just a day-to-day basis. Like, mm. oh, this couple has found love. Let's wish them all the best of luck in the city. And it's all conversation between the two. It's like, hello, how are you? You have really nice hair today. Why, thank you. You have really, you're wearing a nice suit. Like, it's that type of dialogue, yeah. that exchange. Okay. But it's also very this sinister undertone, but also an undertone of well of great dark humor as well, like the favorite is. So, do you ever see the outside world or is it set in tight? You do? No, you do. The film progresses towards the outside world, and that's where okay. certain characters pop in. But it's very interesting because this film, obviously, within the compound, you have a lot of locked off camera shots. Yeah. It's yeah. very. It's very still. It's very calm. It's, as I said, that clinical kind of everything's just, you know, nice wide angle lens and it's just shot, cut to another wide shot, cut to yeah. another wide shot. 
Um, but then you've also juxtaposed with these scenes where we go into the woods where there's these montages of handheld camera movements that is extremely slow, which is paired with a fantastic score as well. Um, so, I mean, you guys both haven't seen this movie, have you? No, but I'm just looking. Um, Yagos um, Lanthimos. Lanthimos. He also wrote and directed The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which was a big um, Oscar buzz last year. And as you just said, he did he write The Favourite as well? Or he just did directed? not write The Favourite. That was okay. written by two Australian people. Yeah. Shout out to them, Debbie Ryan, and I forgot the other guy's name. Um, but he co-wrote this film. Yeah, okay. um, the Lobster. Yeah, it's um, yeah, like it is that very. It is a bit of an art house film. Like you do have to be in a bit of a mood to watch it, and that the whole plot, as I mentioned, it seems real whack, right? It's really yeah. weird. It's really out there. But I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's got it really affected me emotionally as well. Certain scenes and the the ending like had me because the this entire film comments on themes of societies um like what society deems a relationship and what society deems as love and do we have to end up with the people that um n- have the exact same interest and physical features as us right okay um, yeah this whole film it's comment on that and i think through that absurdist viewpoint as well similar to like sorry to bother you how it's yeah. view on capitalism it did it with such a weird and wacky viewpoint where it actually was a really great commentary on that as well um so i would most definitely recommend it it's on Netflix on Australia here. Um, I would most definitely recommend that you sit down and watch it. Is it giving anything away mm. to to say how this dystopian future comes to be? Like, wh- it's like what? Never kind- explained. Oh, so it's just it's dead. just the norm, okay. which I love. I love how it's just we are set in this society where it's very kind of black mirror esque that you must find a mate within this compound within forty five days. And if you do, you get moved off to the city where you can live your normal life. Yeah. With your partner on a day-to-day basis. Go to an art five job, come home, cook dinner, all of that type of stuff. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I love how it's just set in stone. Yeah. Because it okay. allows for these characters to be explored in this world. It's, it's oh. Mm. Yagos. <laughs> very, very good commentary <laughs> on, uh, on real life. Or... Oh, so good. Yeah. yeah. And Yagos is quickly becoming one of my in- favorite directors to watch. Yeah, through this day and age as well. Okay. He's had a couple of good runs with films that have been fantastic. And even one more thing, there's great use of voiceover in this film as well. That kind of really puts us in the shoes of Colin Farrell's character, mm. but it's not even done from... The voiceover's not Colin Farrell, it's by someone else. So it's really like we're watching this kind of story unfold where we're just literally watching, like being told to view through his perspective. And it's, oh, it's great. Fantastic. Yeah. But as I said, it is a bit art house. It is very absurdist. So yeah. if you're not really a fan of those films, it might not be for you, but I would give it a try nonetheless because yeah. I really dug it and enjoyed it. And a flippant, the score, man, is fantastic. It's a great yeah. Yeah. Cla- the classical score. Is, oh, it's good. It's okay. good. And you, did you say that it's on Netflix here in Australia? It certainly is. Mm. Netflix. So give that one a go. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well. On to our present now. We are going to be mm-hmm. talking about Titans, Correct. which did come out in the US October 12th, yeah. I think it was. The first yeah. episode did. Released on a week-by-week week basis. Mm-hmm. However, in Australia, we are getting it on Netflix, which I would like to talk about later on. <laughs> um, we got it in January as yeah, well. Yeah, so we've just Thus, got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it follows the Titans, which we have spoken about before on this, on this show. Um, basically, it's a group of superheroes that's led by 
In this case, it's led by Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, in the comics, he, it was led by Nightwing. It was part of his uh, growing up and leaving Batman and mm-hmm. going on his own thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, Robin, it also... So traditionally... Well, sorry, in this particular adaptation, it's Robin, Starfire, Beast Boy, and Raven. And Raven. Um, traditionally, though, Cyborg is usually a part of that. Yes. However, he was in the Justice League movies recently. But yeah. again, we'll talk about that <laughs> later on. Yeah. Um, so... Titans, if you have to give it a rating out of 10, you can't use 7. Love it. What would you give it? I would give this an 8. Yep. For fighting, i give it an 8. Okay. Like the fight scenes and everything. Yep. But for story-wise, i give it a 5. Oh, Ooh, I okay. have to disagree. Okay. Um, look, I am giving it an 8, although mm. I do think that the story is possibly one of its weaker elements. Not okay. Not that the story is weak, mm. just certain parts of it. Yeah. Yep. Agree. Okay. Agree. So, well, let's start with the fight choreography because mm-hmm. we just both said that was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very violent. <laughs> unnecessarily violent. Do which you I've, think? Some of it is unnecessarily Do violent. Do you think? Yes. See, See, as in one particular scene where yeah. the, is it the Falcon dude or Hawk? Hawk. 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 He's being threatened to have his... Nether regions chopped off. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Robin comes out from the dark, grabs the scissors, and then jams it into the other guy's nether regions, and then pulls him away into the... Unnecessary. Like, really, <laughs> really, really unnecessary. See, <laughs> I don't think in that particular instance it is unnecessary because that is part of Robin's arc throughout the entire yeah, series. Yeah, I was about to mention that as well. No. I get it, but for me personally... Mm-hmm. It was just unnecessary. Okay. I can I can handle him beating the living daylights out of someone, snapping arms, snapping mm. legs. Yeah. But the whole stabbing the genitalite, too much. Mm. <laughs> it's too much. No. See, I actually, like, coming into this, obviously, we all saw the trailer and we're all like, what the heck? Robin's saying F Batman. Like, is this... Like, I, I thought it was going to go super over the top edgy. Like, we're really trying to distance ourselves from the source material. Yeah. Um, but I actually found it really surprised me at how... It found a good mid-level point between being really grounded and really realistic and not being too edgy as well. Yeah. I feel like it. this this whole show just genuinely surprised me on how like decent it was. Yeah. Like, the first two episodes, I'm like, here we go, this could be another CW show. Like, this could just go the same route, like, here we go, like, another big budget, like, bigger budget. But I was genuinely surprised how it turned out, particularly yeah. with the arcs of the characters. I was yeah. very surprised. So, I also think that the violence was... I thought the violence was very... Like, it was very violent. I mm. agree with you, Zach. Um, I do think that's mainly due because of Robin's arc. Mm-hmm. He's The whole thing is he's saying is, like, you know, whenever I put on the Robin outfit, like, I can't control it. It's, like, it gets over the top violent and blah, blah, blah. No. Um, but I do wonder, mm-hmm. like, it, remi- it actually reminded me a lot of Watchmen. And okay. I do know that there's mm. a Watchmen TV series coming out on Amazon. HBO. Yeah. HBO, sorry. There you go. Um, and I did wonder, I was like... You know, are they are they looking at this and going, okay, we could go, you know, we know that things like uh, Daredevil and The Punisher and everything, which are very violent, are you know, they're tracking really well. People like it. Um, we could go a really clean path, but people are liking this. And I wonder if they go, well, you know, Watchmen was very violent as well. That worked well. I wonder if they're trying to go, let it, let's just make it over the top. Or I wonder if they're just trying to go, let's be realistic. Like if someone were to be, fighting these kind of criminals, this is kind of the level they'd need yeah. to do it. 
Um, which see, which I, I, know, I, I appreciate. But I also think that there is a level of it that is unrealistic. Like, mm. one thing I will say is that the CG in this series is very hit and miss. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, that looks great. Yep. And other times, like, when they're punching people and the blood is, like, flying oh, out. that like, irritated me so it's hard. It's so fake. Oh, my like, God. It's so <laughs> just fake. Add some real blood. It's yeah. like, oh, this CGI blood, Zack Snyder nonsense. I'm like, it's yeah. just, I know it's fake, like, instantly. Yeah. 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 That, that was the part that, like, as I said, so, like, for example, when um, when Starfire, sorry, she's called Cori, Coriander's in this um, series. Um, when but she, Starfire, yeah. yeah, when Starfire, yeah. when she's like, you know, bursting flames out in her eyes and everything, that looks legit. Like it looks great. It looked awesome. But then when like the mirror is cracking and it's like floating in the air, you're like, well, that looks so fake. <laughs> so I yeah. think must, it must have just been different production houses for different no, parts and, yeah, of it. Different and bits of the budget allocated. Yeah, exactly. But I might tap on Robin's arc. That's yeah, okay. Go. That's my favorite part. Yeah. So Brenton Thwaites, um, Thwaites? Thwaites, I think Thwaites. it is. He's an Aussie. He is an Australian. Props to you. Yeah, Aussie, along with Aussie. Tegan Croft, who plays Rachel Roth and Raven. She's like also Australian. Australian. Yeah. Um, I thought he smashed out the park, honestly. Yeah. Like, I think because yeah. Robin's arc, we are set. It's established very early on that this Batman is very anti-hero. Like, he very much goes out and he just punishes criminals, right? And I feel like the whole series takes this approach. Like, if you were 13 and your parents died and all of a sudden you're fighting crime with Batman, like that would have an effect on your subconscious on a massive scale. Like if yeah. you're going out mm. every night beating criminals and seeing Batman just like beat the crap out of the joke, like that would affect you, right? So I feel like when we're introduced to Robin, and this is the context we we're missing from the trailers, yep. he's at a weird like state of mind. Mm. Like all of that time we spent with Batman has messed him up. And I think that's why I love his arc where he's – you know, he realizes that he is this really violent kind of creature and something that he shouldn't be. And that ultimately where his arc leads is he burnt his Robin suit at the end. Mm. Um, I just think it was so expertly written by Jeff Johns and Avika Goldsman um, and Greg Bertolini, the creators of the show. Because it was something that, for me, I hadn't read, seen, witnessed through any comics or any kind of entertainment medium. I thought it was a great way to approach the source material as well. I thought it was great. Yeah. And it really got me invested in the, all of the characters in general because Robin is this flawed character who's trying to build his way up. He's very antisocial. He wants to do everything by himself like Batman, but opens himself up to the times. I thought it was great. I really loved his arc. It yeah. was good. I appreciate that this was only 11 episodes. Mm, yeah. I really <laughs> like. No, honestly, it was so good. Because I think that the... So the Marvel TV series on Netflix are 13 episodes. And mm-hmm. I think like a common thing that I th- hear people say is like, it's just a bit too long. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's just like, we could do without that episode or this episode, or we could have con- like condensed that into like 10 minutes or something. So the fact that this is only 11 episodes and there's like, there's something happening at all times. It made it a lot more uh, easier to get through almost. Mm. Um, not that it's a chore, but it's like, you no. don't at any point go, Oh, I got, so like, for example, when, you, when you're getting towards the end, you're like, oh, gee, I wonder how much it's got left. You go, two episodes. You're like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen in two episodes. Mm. Whereas I feel that when you, with a Marvel series, you're like, oh, we're at this point, I wonder how many episodes you've got left. Five or six episodes. You're like, oh, okay. Mm, <laughs> I'm not sure my, yeah. my viewing now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> to a Monday, to a Thursday. To, like yeah. a, there's a lot more time for mm. what you don't think is enough story to to stretch across that time. No. But yeah. what's interesting as well is they actually were supposed to have 12 episodes this season 
but they actually saved, they cut episode 12, and that's now the season two premiere. Okay, that's interesting, because mm. one of the things I wanted to speak about was the, the final episode. Yeah, no, yeah. I think that's what put a bad taste in my mouth, was really? the final episode. Yep. Dang. All right, before, so... Before, can we, before we jump yes. into that, I just want to mention my favorite episodes of TV show, because um, obviously the first two took me a little bit to get into. There was some cringe writing and some, like, just some stuff that happens. It was very kind of CW. Uh, that's why I was a bit cautious. Yep. But once it's get into it, because my favorite episodes are episodes like Donna Troy or Jason Todd, where we're actually not introduced to the Titans as a whole. Mm. It's, yeah. We have the Titans introducing to other side characters, and they're just, they're forced to con- trying to conform to a certain reality. Like in the Donna Troy episode, it's that yeah. Robin, uh, we've defeated like the weird family or whatever, that, whoever they were. Mm. He's trying to now conform to a normal life, past Robin, past all of this violence. Or I'll, in- I'll be honest, my, like you said, Mm. The favorite episodes are the ones focused around Robin mm-hmm. and Robin's story, Robin's arc. It's, yeah. it's the other characters that they they just weren't enough for me. They were yeah, quite okay. whiny. Yep, that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I just was not invested at all. It oh, is okay. a very Robin focused, which series. is great. Which yeah. would I probably would have preferred more of mm. than say the Raven storyline. Okay, which. It was just too much, if you ask me. Like, I okay. know that's what it was focused around and that's what it was leading to towards mm. the end. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like it was too much with no answers. Fair. Okay, fair, fair, fair. Same with um, Starfire as well. Like, you still mm. don't know much about it. Same with Beast Boy. Yeah, that's true. You just still just don't know much where I got so much Robin, mm. which I enjoy because I'm invested in Robin. But the other ones, I was just like, why are they on the screen? Mm. Take me back to Robin. Yeah, okay. No. Interesting. But then um, also the Jason Todd episode, yeah, which they nailed Jason Todd, by the way. He's yeah. a complete jerk and douche. And that, yeah. that scene <laughs> where he like just, just beats all of yeah. these police officers up, man, that was that nailed it. But the fact that Robin has to conform that, like, you know, Batman's moved on from him and now he has to be his own individual. It was great. Mm. Loved yeah. it. But I do agree with you. I feel like we did get heaps of Robin mm. and some of the development towards, say, like the Starfire or, the, or Raven, even Beast Boy as well, like his development wasn't very... Well, but fleshed out a lot. No, to be honest, he's not even Beast Boy. He's yeah, he can turn into one animal. Yeah, in Tiger Boy. <laughs> Tiger Boy. Yeah. Um, so they do mention that he can that they think he's got the ability to do more, but he's just like it's a development. So no, I mean, yeah. there's something for them to develop there. Let's quickly yeah, talk let's about. Hang on, before we get into spoilers, I'd like to talk about. So in Australia, mm-hmm. we just get this on Netflix, so we just got it. Mm. But in America, mm-hmm. this was the pilot series to launch the DC Universe app. Yeah. And what I've been uh, kind of reading online and speaking to some people is that this Titan series is very polarizing. People either really love it yeah. or they're like, eh, it's not, nah, don't like it. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem to be a lot of people kind of in the middle. And I'm in the middle. Okay. Well, there's one. Andrew's in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> one in the entire world. <laughs> but like, so for example, well, so let's take this. We've all seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you have subscribed to a new streaming service in Definitely order not. to watch it? Definitely no. Not. no we, we had this conversation because you said yeah. you were going to do it. And I yeah. went, it's not enough for me to, to do it. Yeah. So, okay. So, you wouldn't do it for just this series. What if I threw no. in all the old DC movies? So, you got Man of Steel, the Chris Nolan trilogy, Batman animated series, Batman. Constantine, and you also get access to some DC um, comics and graphic novels. And you also get a new series, Titans. Would that be enough to sell you? No. No, because no. everything's on Netflix here. Yeah. Like, well, everything's, on, everything's on Netflix. Wait, but let's like assume you, that it's not on Netflix. But like you said, the movies and everything, I own all the movies. Yeah. I 
have most of the comic, uh, the cartoon movies that they have as well. Yeah. Because they advertise it and promote it enough to the point where I'm like, I will go buy this for $15 yeah. and then have it forever. Yeah. Um, and the comics themselves, why would I want a streaming service to access comics when I would happily get in my car and go and spend time in a comic book store? Yeah. So this is, this is what I'm, I want to touch on. So like for me, I'm like, I would love to do that because, so what they would do is apparently, as I've heard, like, you know, you we would, for example, watch the Titan series and then mm. they'd go, cool, if you like that, maybe you should read this, which is, you know, a particular Titans arc and you can yeah. read it on your TV or on your device yeah. and you have access to it so you can read some of the backstory. Mm. And I'm, I'm just, so obviously Australia is not getting this anytime soon. The no. fact that they yeah. gave the license to Titans to Netflix pretty much shows that DC doesn't have here. an interest of launching their yeah. app in Australia. No. So and we'll probably get Doom Patrol as which, well. Yeah, so I'm wondering it's like which is a bad thing yeah. on their part. Like, why would you not do it? Cuz when Disney Plus does theirs, they're just going to do it worldwide. Yeah. Cuz it kind happy. of well it kind of shows that DC perhaps aren't really invested in their app being successful. Is it DC or Warner Brothers? Well, DC is owned by Warner Brothers. So Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So would Warner Brothers be the ones distributing it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like I mean, I mean it's the internet. They could release yeah. the DC app here. Yeah, it does it really doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, look, for me personally, I wouldn't get the app. Even though I'm a big DC fanboy, I love DC, I actually wouldn't get the, sorry, the streaming service. I wouldn't get it. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I feel like there's just if it's just content, like I feel like Disney's a different type of beast. Yes. Cuz Disney you have Marvel, you have Star Wars, you have all of the Disney animated films. Disney like almost own like they Blah. They own your well, childhood. They, they, oh my god! They own everything now. Yeah, <laughs> and they own like ESPN, ABC. Like they they could branch off into so many directions. Yeah. However, DC is just superheroes. Yeah. yeah. And for me personally, I don't want to pay like I don't know like seven ten bucks a month. It's see, it's not that much. How much is it? I have a feeling I was calculating. I'm pretty sure it works out to be about a about five Australian dollars. Okay. So it is it is the cheapest of all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's also the most limited. Mm. So I think possibly what they're relying on is the fact that it's not just TVs and movies. Mm. Um, you you do get all of the back catalogue, including some of their less known ones. So like um, all of Constantine is on there, the TV mm. series, yeah, which I actually really enjoyed. I thought okay. it was a great series. Interesting. Um, and you get the books and you get like all of the old DC movies and mm. stuff like that. But does it mean you get all the CW shows as well? Some of them. So, so I looked why, on there, I why think... Why would you only get some of them? That doesn't even well, make sense. Well, because <laughs> they've got their distri- distribution licenses with other things. So, for example, like... Yeah, but like... Okay, so like season whatever of The Flash is on Foxtel at the moment. Yeah. Um, that's fine, but you've still got four or five other seasons that they can put onto the streaming service so you can see them. Yeah. You know? So I have a feeling that... I have a feeling that The Flash was on there. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that Arrow was on there. I think maybe Black Lightning wasn't, and I think Black maybe... Black Lightning's on Netflix. Yeah, mm. but is but it's not on Netflix in the States, and this is the mm, thing. No, so, yeah. like, it's the DC random. app is only in the States, so it's hard to know these mm. distribution, where they get distributed in different countries. There's so many different but, ins and outs and nuts and bolts yeah. as well. It's confusing. Mm. However, uh, let's get to this, yeah. some spoilers. I'm keen to talk spoilers. I'm keen to talk this final episode. Oh, so yeah, am me I. Too. Me oh, too. Man. I... Didn't like it. No. What? No, I didn't like I it. I thought it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like a lost level lack of payoff. Are yeah. you serious? I, it, I, I, look, okay, maybe not lost level. That's <laughs> that's a bit extreme. It put a lot of anger in me. Did it? it I yeah. just, like, so, it, so the episode starts off and it's essentially Robin in a dreamscape. 
Mm. And it's like he's married to Dawn and they've got a kid and they've got another one on the way. And yeah. um, Rachel and Garfield, so Raven and Beast Boy are in college and mm. all of this. And it's like, and you're like, okay. And it just keeps going. And then mm. like at one point I literally paused the final episode and I was like, how long of this, how long are we going to be here? And realized we're going to be here the entire episode. Like it's the entire episode is just Robin in a dreamscape yeah. until like the last 30 seconds. Where you go back to the end of the season, this episode before yeah. Yeah. and then you're back in the story. Which no. now makes sense. No. Now you said that they that it wasn't supposed to be the final episode. Yeah. No. That was supposed to have one after that. That makes sense. That, but that makes more sense to me now. Look, I, it's totally left on a cliffhanger and you're totally like, okay, sw- like, like I want to know what happens. Mm. Mm. But it also felt more like a mid-story break than a story break. Like, it didn't feel like the arc was complete. It felt like they're going, ah, we just are getting into it. Which totally makes sense from, like, season two is going to come out Mm -hmm. and everyone's going to be excited. Yeah. But in terms of, like, completion, you're kind of like, so we're just going to leave it there. Yeah, like, what? 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 (laughs) See, I really... Yeah, you clearly are against this opinion. No, I thought it was awesome. Because obviously the previous episode before it, it ends with Robin going in and he deliberately gets let in. Because spoilers, previous episode, basically Trigon, Raven's dad, who's like this demon head or whatever, um, comes back onto the earth. And he's like, all right, I'm back on the earth. Let's destroy this planet. Let's go. Um, And then so he only deliberately lets Robin into the house. And the episode ends with Robin entering the house where Trigon, Raven's mum and Raven are in. And I just love the entire episode because... As you find out at the end, it's literally Trigon trying to break Robin and trying to prove to Raven this guy, like even your best friends, chose the wrong choose the the wrong path. Mm. They choose the path to go down of they just have lost their faith in the world, they've lost the faith in who they are and the good and the good humanity in themselves. Because Trigon's in the dreamscape. Did you realize? Yes, yeah, I did. He was yeah, the cop. He was, yeah. he was the cop. And I just love this whole this whole kind of dream scenario, Robin's in Gotham City, where Gotham is just portrayed as the most abysmal place to live ever. Batman yeah, like is... it's just completely oh, man. destroyed, essentially. Completely destroyed. Batman is like... See, what I thought was interesting is obviously Batman in the episode just, like, snaps completely, mm. and he starts killing, like, all of his rogues gallery. And that, for me, was a red flag where I'm like, all right, this isn't real. Like, this can't be real, right? Yeah. Well, I, I knew it wasn't real from the start because he was married to Dawn. Yeah. yeah. Which is, And then, like, the boyfriend's there, like, hey, guys, you know, like, I'm here to help paint the walls and stuff. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> but yeah. I thought, for what it was, because the payoff in the end where... In the dream sequence, um, Robin ends up after Batman, you know, just kills all of these police officers in the Batcave, which is sick. Um, Robin just oh, ends that up. That's a great fight yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. It's so um, well done. Robin just ends up, you know, killing Batman. And that's when it, the whole dream sequence just cuts off. And we see Trigon's been playing him the whole time and illustrating to Raven that, as I said, even the best people and the people closest to you who thought you were friends can turn can kill that humanity inside of them. Yeah, they can turn sense. against you. Which also I think yeah. was a load of crap because yeah. he's like, look, I gave him this scenario and there were all these different options and he chose the worst one. It's like, well, no, you didn't because you manipulated the scenario. But that's the thing. Well, he I, was supposed know, to manipulate I, him. I get that. <laughs> but it just like, I, I'm not saying that it was wrong, but I was just angry at the character. It explains like, I gave him all the options. Like, no, you didn't, you massive jerk. Well, that's the thing. You're supposed to think like that, yeah, I feel yeah. like. And, and because so- Raven's so naive and she has no idea that her dad's like this, you know. Demon lord. This demon lord exactly like that. Yeah. So, look, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed the last episode. And I enjoyed the post-credit scene as well. 
Yes, the post credit scene was very interesting. Mm. There was a post credit scene. Yeah, there was. Seen it? Nope. Ooh, okay. So let me set the scene for you. So mm. it's, there's some kind of uh, environment. It's like a lab, and it's yeah. like, oh, subject thirteen. Oh, no, it's broken. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So it's uh, Superboy, Superboy, and and, crypto. His, and, and crypto, this dog yeah. Crypto. Yep. Was it Superboy? It was quite big. It yeah, was Superboy. Yeah, it yep. was Superboy. Yep. Superboy um, jacked boy. I think it's interesting though. So, okay. So last last episode mm. aside, uh, like. I'm definitely on board for season two. So am I. Not going to lie. But I do think it was very interesting how they are approaching this, considering that they've already got a DC universe set up in in the TV series anyway, which Mm. is done by Greg Berlanti, who is one of the creators of Titans as well. Mm. And also they've got this movie franchise, which let's be honest, is not doing the greatest. It's in dire straight. Like, oh, so it's a bit of a mess. So when Marvel launched their TV series, they they completely separated it. Not that they said it like it not touching, but they were just like, oh, we'll they see how they go. They referenced exactly. the cinematic then they, universe. Then they started referencing it. But with this one, they were like, just all guns blazing. Batman, Superman, the Justice League. But we never see them. The thing is with Batman, we n- even in that dream episode, we never see his face. We literally yep. only see the back of him. But yeah. the what back I'm of saying suit. is that they... They're not keeping them separate. They no, are completely yeah, yeah. connecting them. Which I like. I think especially yeah. with the Titans universe, you do have to reference those. It did nag yeah, you me. you can't no, yeah. not have the Titans without It's true. Because that's, that's what it all is about. That's no. why they're there. That's yeah. like Donna Troy's in at the end, right? But yeah. it nagged me so hard that they just didn't hire an actor to play Bruce Wayne or Batman. Like whenever he's in flashbacks for Robin, he's out of focus or in the yeah. far left hand. It just frustrated me so much. Like just hire someone to play Batman. They can't because they'll, they'll never do a TV series with him. I know, but it just well, frustrates me. Yeah, like it's, I don't know, it's interesting because they're, I don't, I really would like to know where they plan on going because the other thing mm-hmm. is that the next seri- next couple of series that they're bringing out on the DC app is, mm-hmm. so they've got Doom Patrol mm-hmm. and they've got Swamp Thing, which yep. is going to be like a hard R rating. Mm-hmm. See, like, I'll watch Swamp Thing just because it is so separate yeah, to well, everything else. So it can be its own story. But will it be? That's my question. Like, uh, like it seems like an odd direction they're going where they're kind of like, we're half invested in connecting to the rest of the TV series world and half invested in connecting to like the lot la- not the movies but the larger dc universe yeah like yeah i'm i feel like they just need to take a step back and go whoa well I we've mean, got way too many hands in way too many baskets I think that's what they're trying to do like i think they're just trying to get one dude in i think i don't know who his name is but some kevin feige-esque figure that can yeah, just they had uh, yeah what did they have they had Jeff Jones. Jeff Jones. They did Jeff have Jeff Jones. Jones and he stepped down. Well, yeah, I think he was forced down, which I think is a load of BS, but that's all right. Wait, what? Yeah, no. Yeah, he, he was like after, the Kevin Feige. After Justice of, League. Yeah. Of the movies. Of, of everything. Of everything. Of, of movies in particular. Yeah. But he's one of the creators and writers of Titans. I know, yeah, but yeah. he was... Well, that's what he stepped down to. He stepped down to a writer-producer role. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. well, the other thing is like Greg Berlanti is essentially the Kevin Feige of the DC TV yeah. universe. Yeah, he is, yeah. So... But then, that, yeah, they've got... So, Flash is obviously like... Flash and Arrow are their big characters. Yeah. Um, they've obviously got Supergirl and then Black Lightning. And, mm. yeah, it... I don't know. It's interesting just, yeah, DC to see just where they're right, going. Yeah, I think... I like it. Like, I'm, like I'm for example... I'm super ready for where they go in yeah. Season 2. And I hopefully Deathstroke comes into Titan Season 2 somehow or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd yeah. be sweet. But I just feel like, as Tyson mentioned, DC's in such a... I think they're just in a mess. They just yeah. need someone to just come in. And I think that's what they're starting to do with Aquaman and just say, let's just make these single stories 
Um, and let's just just have one big big head honcho just be like, this yeah. is what we're doing and we're going to yeah. do it. Which is what like we've this. all said from the start. Yes. Yeah, so we just had one movie for every character and then reference other characters yeah. at the end or and then lead to the big final movie together. And just, or just let directors and produ- like directors have their creative vision and mm. then producers can incorporate yeah. it somehow. Like, let's not have Warner Brothers directing behind the scenes saying Justice League must be two hours. Yeah. You know, we must have this and X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah. Because that's when it all... Like, when you, when you give Chris Nolan and say, here, make Batman, you get the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm. When, and you leave it to him and that's what he does. And, he, and, he, and it was over like, gosh, it was like eight years or something like that that he yeah. spaced them. Mm. Yep. Whereas when they go, we're going to build a movie universe. Great. This is, these are the conditions you all have to meet. That's mm. when things just don't work. So correct. Yeah, correct. I do think it's very last thing. And then I think we should probably move on. Yes. I like... The TV series because they're telling a story over like eight hours instead mm. of like trying to fit an entire story, all the backstory, yeah. all the context, yeah. everything into two hours. It's yeah. true. So, yeah. like, I think that's a lot of a lot of a lot more creativity they can do with it, and a lot more um, flexibility. Yeah. So correct. Because if you have a bad episode, you're like, oh, I'll just watch the next one. Mm. Whereas if you have like a bad movie, you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, well, can't I'm watch out. the next one. Yeah. 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 All righty. So that's Titans. Um, Titans. Doom Patrol, I think, is coming out next, which I'm also very excited for. Yeah. We do have an episode in Titans called Doom Patrol. Yes. Mm. Oh, which is just an advertisement. Yeah. (laughs) It's just them going, hey, this is our next show. Um, Yes. I liked it. I think it's a good, like, eccentric group. Yeah. yeah. Should be interesting. All righty. Well, it is the season. And what I mean by Tizzy season, it is Oscar season, everybody. Woo-hoo! To be jolly. It is my favorite time of the year. Not really, but Loki it is. <laughs> uh, um, uh, if you guys all remember last year, I did my Oscar picks. Um, now, depending on how you're looking at the best picture prediction, I got seven out of 10, right? Weird flex, but okay. Um, <laughs> but we thought we would all do it again and look through some of the nominations, see what we think is going to win what we hope will win yeah. and go from there. So I think... So why don't you lead it off? You intro each section. Yeah, you, give you, us the list. Tell you us what your pick is. I will. You're the Oscar we'll, boy. Mm, we'll we won't a bit do of a comment. everything. No. Let's start off how we started off last year. Let's start with best visual effects. Okay. Uh, best visual effects. I'll read out the nominations. So we've got Avengers Infinity War. We've got Christopher Robin. We also have First Man. We have Ready Player One. And we also have Solo, a Star Wars story for best visual effects. Now, yeah, you go first. I'm going to go Avengers Infinity War. Okay. For best visual effects. Interesting. Yes. I have only seen three of these. So I haven't seen Christopher Robin. I haven't seen First Man. Um, could you? I, look, I've heard some really good things about the visual effects in First Man. I've heard some people say that, it's, that that is really one of its key Mm. Um, components. Yeah. Um, Actually, I changed my mind. First man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about it now because I hadn't seen it before. I changed first man. Yeah. All right. Now, visual effects is just to remind us and everyone. Visual effects is specifically CGI. Yep. Yeah. So it's not to do with like um, uh, prop de- uh, nah. set design or nah. anything. Nah. That Purely kind of, visual nah. effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a part of me that goes, you know what? Ready Player One was very well done. It's like it's. Basically, entirely CGI, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't. It's Avengers: Infinity War is obviously a very easy pick. Yes. Um, because the other thing is that they are all 
fantastic from start to finish. Uh, I don't know. Three, two, one. Solo. No. <laughs> no, I'm taking that back. I'm going to go... Andrew's face. I'm going to go Avengers. <laughs> Andrew, your pick? Um, not being biased, but I'm going to go Avengers Infinity War. Cool. Just because obviously I've been with their TV drop and all that the last few weeks. A lot of mm-hmm. things have been coming out mm-hmm. and statistics about the movie. Only 3% of that movie was non-visually affected. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dude. So... Most like, I mean, of that, that movie makes sense, it, yeah. but wow. Yeah, so, and, you know, purely just because of the main villain, Thanos, alone, and how that visually affected was well done. That, I think it was also very good. It looked realistic. Yeah. He looked like a real person, if, yeah. you know, inverted commas, yeah. if you were big and purple. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm going to go Avengers Infinity. All righty, on good. to the next one. I'm going to go Best Original Score now. Uh, so yep. I'll, I'll just read these out to you guys. So Best me, original score. Me and Tyson have actual paper printouts that Tyson mm. did. Where's that guess? I'm We're trying to flick the through. times. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Black Panther by Ludwig Garrison. We have Black Klansman by Terence Blanchard. If Beale Street Could Talk by Nicholas Bretel. Isle of Dogs by Alexandre Desplat, who won last year for Shape of Water. And we've also got Mary Poppins Returns by Mark Shaman. So Black Panther. Black Klansman, If Bill Street Could Talk, Isle of Dogs, Mary Poppins Returns. What do you think, Zach? I think If Bill Street Could Talk will win this. Okay. However, I will not be surprised if Black Panther won. That's going to be my Black prediction. Panther for original score? Yes. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised. That's, but I think if yeah. Bill Street... Bill, Bill, my pick's Bill Street Could Talk. Trying to think of... I can't remember Black Panther's Yeah, only music. just because I've really recently watched it. Yeah, and when I messaged Zach saying like that's probably what it should win for that mm-hmm. or costume design for yeah. best Oscar, that it's is winning it. costume design a hundred percent. Yeah, it definitely should. Yeah, no. so yeah. those are that. That's why I'll, the only reason I'll go Black Panther because yeah. the music was pretty, pretty good. There is a part of me that really leans towards Isle of Dogs. Mm, I just don't think it'll win. Mm. I don't. I don't yeah, think it I'm has not enough sure traction either. behind it as well. Yeah. I think you're probably right because it's it was released in March. Yeah, like this all. Even though you know Black Panther was released in February, like the that did not have anywhere near the exact same amount of f- the phenomenon. Like yeah, yeah. versus Isle of Dogs, right? Yeah, agreed. But yeah, if we're being brutally honest, I'd like it if Beale Street could talk would win. I think it will win. Nothing against Black Panther or anything like that. I just <laughs> that's probably who deserves it. Nicholas Bretel, he's awesome. Yeah. That being said, Mary Poppins Returns yeah, that was actually is that a very, was, yeah. Like, yeah. It's very music-focused it is, movie. So, yeah. I just I haven't seen it yet, so I've seen I can't it. really comment on it. I've seen it. What do you think of the, the yeah, score? It was good. Yeah? It was, it was good. It's definitely not... But clearly, uh, clearly not as good as Black Panther, you reckon? It's not uh, Mary Poppins, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. It's for a different generation. Yeah. Mm. But if, yeah, if we're looking at it for original, anything... Black Panther should win it. Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Best animated feature film. Oh, well, we all know who's We all know, that. but I'll just read the nominations anyway. Yep. Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Mirai, which is an um, international film, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Titan's favorite film, <laughs> and we also have Get Out. <laughs> Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, 3, 2, 1, what should win? Spider Man Into the It's not even a discussion. <laughs> it's not even a discussion. It's going to win. Um, it's it so win. good. It'll win. It really deserves it's won it. won every other award. Oh, it has. It yeah. has the traction. Yeah. I would be shocked if anything else won. 
That being said, like if Ralph dogs breaks is, the internet, wins it. I'll no, it's no. not. <laughs> I'll throw. Don't a, even consider that, man. I'll throw honestly. a knife at the TV. <laughs> Kyle of Dogs is, in my mind, the only one that actually holds any kind of candle to it because it's mm. because it's a different style of animation. So that stop motion mm-hmm. style, and that and it was very well done. It was, yeah. But just Spider Man, the Spider Verse is just phenomenal. It's, it's it so, will win. Yeah. so it incredible. will win. It will win. Hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's next? Best cinematography. So this is an interesting one. This has the a film called Cold War, an international film. Yep. Um, a Polish film by Lukas Zal. Yep. We have The Favorite by Robbie Ryan, Never Look Away by Caleb Deschanel, Roma by Alfonso Cuaron, mm. and A Star Is Born. Cinematographer Matthew. I'm not going to pronounce his name. Sorry, Matthew. Libertique. You got it. Maybe. Yep, Libertique. <laughs> My pick, um, as much as I want the favourite to win, Roma will win. Yeah. Roma's going to win 100%. Roma. Yep. yep. Roma's cinematography. I, it's still yeah, it is, stuck in my brain. How it's well it so was. well done because the cinematography in this one is such a key part of the storytelling mm. as well. Yeah. I really, yeah, Huge. I agree. 100%. Best cinematography is going to... Roma. Now we are going to skip a few. We're going to disregard some of the best film editing, okay. best sound editing, just for the sake of time. Yes, um, foreign language film. We don't need that. foreign language. Roma's going to be foreign language film. Oh yeah, to. definitely. Um, I think makeup and hairstyling. Vice will win. It's not even a competition. Yeah, there's um, been a lot of buzz around that. No. What yeah. about um, best production design? Black Panther. Yeah, Black Panther. It should win as well. That yeah, it, it should fan- win for fantastic. that. Fantastic. Yeah. Alrighty, let's get into some of the screenplay ones. This is some heavy hitter ones now. Okay, we're going to start off with best adapted screenplay. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, screenplay by Joel and Ethan Cohen, awesome, got nominated. Black Klansman, which was screenplay by Charlie Watchell and David Rubinwitz, and Spike Lee and Kevin Wilmont. Can You Ever Forgive Me, that uh, Melissa McCarthy one, Tyson, that you yep. did a future on. That was by Nicole Hofflencher and Jeff Woody. I'm sorry, I'm butchering these last names. <laughs> um, if Bill Street Could Talk, which is by my best friend, Barry Jenkins. Um, and it was also A Star Is Born, which was by Eric Roth, Bradley Cooper, and Will Betters. My pick. Jesus is tough. Mm, I'm going to go. Oh, if Bill Street Could Talk. <laughs> okay. I think that'll win. Mm. Oh, this is a tough category, though, what's man. The, what's the other one that you're thinking? Or is, or are you just like all of them? Mm. Oh, man. it's Last year's screenplay was hard as well. I'm going to go A Star Is Born is the other one that could win. But my, okay. lo- my lock is If Bill Street Could Talk. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Thoughts? Um, Obviously, we all haven't seen every single movie yeah. of this because yeah, no. we get everything late here in Australia. Yeah. yeah. If Bill Street Could Talk does look like it could be a really strong mm. um contender for this mm-hmm. there is a part of me that thinks that black clansman could have a bit more um popular appeal yep um obviously a star is born is huge mm. popular appeal yeah there, but there's also part of me i really i wonder if can you ever forgive me could really? be up there yeah do you think so it just because because the best adapted screenplay, like, I mean, A Star is Born, Bill Street mm. could talk, very, like, heartwarming, whereas mm. Can You Ever Forgive Me is like, hey, I lied. There's a part of it that's <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it's a bit, bit different. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Should we move on? Yeah. <laughs> best original screenplay. This yep. one is tough. Um, we have The Favourite, which was written by Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. Sorry, I've got your name, Tony. Yep. Um, First Reformed, written by Paul Schrader. 
Green Book, which was written by Nick Velenga. I'm butchering these names. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, Roma, which was written by Alfonso Cuaron. And Vice, which is written by Aaron Adam, sorry, McKay. <sighs> as much as I want the favorite to win, because the screenplay is phenomenal. Yep. I think it's between, for me, and not stuff that I'm going to go, the favorite's going to win. But, however, that's my pick, the favorite. Yep. But Green Book or Roma will win. Yeah. I'm going with Green you. Book won the Golden Globe, and it's such a feel-good movie as well. Yeah. Like, it's so standard. It's just a feel-good movie about, you know, racism in the 50s and stuff like that. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lock it in. I reckon the favorite will win. Okay. My um, pick last year was Get Out, and that turned out to be true. That beat through billboards yeah, last yeah. year. And mm. so I'm, I'm just going to go with the favorite. I wonder if Vice is going to win. No, I don't think it will. Really? Because no. I don't think Green Book will. I've um, seen... I'm going with Green Book. No, I feel like Green Book has a better chance than Vice. Yeah. I, I've seen there's both. a lot of. I feel there's a lot of negativity surrounding Green Book. Yeah. Um, just a lot of people are like, do we really need like, hey, a white guy friended a black guy, so racism doesn't exist? No, but I think that's its appeal though. That it's such a. Yeah. It's so because I've seen both. I don't think. But I mean, there's also like the controversy about like how Mahesha Ali didn't speak to Don Shirley's family about the role and really, yeah, and so I think. I think there's just a bit of negativity surrounding it that will kind of affect it. Maybe mm-hmm. it won't. Um, yeah, the look. other thing is that Roma, because it's kind of autobiographical, I think mm-hmm. people like that. So that's yeah. the other one that's kind of there. No. Look, my pick's the favourite. Please. Okay. Please, please the favourite. Yep. Please the favourite. But again, yeah. All right. right. Best supporting actor. Yep. We have Mahershala Ali for Green Book, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Sam Elliott for A Star Is Born, Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Sam Rockwell in Vice. My pick is Mahershala Ali. We'll take this out. Yeah. Mm. Again. I would like Adam Driver to win it. Yeah, I think Adam Driver. I think really? he's really good. Again, like... It was a great performance. I just don't think he has enough buzz. I think Mahershala Ali. Oh, look. I, he, Mahershala yeah. Ali will probably win it. Yeah, I think he will. Like That's Adam my Driver to yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do... Again, just because what I said about the controversy around surrounding Mahersha Ali's mm. performance, yep. I'm not saying that his performance wasn't any good. I just, I want again. I wonder if that'll affect him. So, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. best supporting yeah. actress. Mm. Ooh, yep. here we go. Amy Adams in Vice, Marina Di Trivia from Roma, so Ooh. the mum in Roma. Yeah, um, Regina King if Bill Street could talk, and then Emma Stone and Rachel Wise, who are both in the favorite. Mm, okay, I think as much as I want Emma Stone or Rachel Wise to win it, I think Regina King will win. Really? Yep. See, I think Regina uh, King from Bill Street. Will Marina win. D. Tavira is really got it, yeah. from Roma. Yep. Oscars has shown a lot of love to Roma as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm not. I honestly couldn't say because I've not really seen a lot of these films. I've only seen Roma, and I'm meh. I think Marina D. Tavira has got such a good. Um, almost nuanced mm, kind of performance, performance yeah. Um, yeah. because she's it's just very good at like switching between like this crazy angry and really loving and then kind mm, of a bit fair, like fair, I fair, think fair. yeah I think she's a strong contender that's my pick interesting, interesting. Uh, we're, getting to the, we're getting to the meat of it best actor Ooh. Christian Bale in Vice mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born yep William Defoe in At Eternity's Gate. Mm. That's where he played Vincent Van Gogh. 
Ramal Malik in Bohemian Rhapsody, and Viggo Mortensen in Green Book. This, for me, the races between Ramal Malik and Christian Bale, my pick is Ramal Malik. So. Yeah, so I also think Rami Malek and Christian Bale, but I think Christian Bale might. Really? Might pull out? Because, again, like they, they love it when actors yeah, are playing other people. Yeah, it's true. So, so it's Rami easy. Malek wouldn't win? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. Um, <laughs> no, I, I just think that playing that political character in that kind of drama, mm. um, I think there's a bit more, whereas... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I think yeah. I think they could be They're, either, really. It's between the two of them, but yeah. I think Rami Malek I think win. he's the one who's going to take it, yeah. yeah. Christian Bale was fantastic as Dick Cheney, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. Him in that film was phenomenal. Like, he was one of the great points of that film. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to give it to Rami Malek. Yeah, okay. me too. I think, I think he's been getting almost all the buzz. He, he recently won the Screen, the screen Actors Guild, where yes. he beat yeah. out um, Christian Bale. But I think also for him as well, for this kind of up-and-comer... Yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. Best actress. This one's very interesting. We have Yalitza Apicciato in Roma. Who, yeah. She was Cleo. We have Glenn Close as the wife. Oh, Glenn Close in the wife. Sorry. Um, Olivia Coleman in The Favourite. Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born. And then Melissa McCarthy. Can you ever forgive me? I think Olivia Coleman will win as the, in The Favourite. Really? It's, it's between her and Glenn Close. Really? Yep. I'm going with Lady Gaga. You're going with Lady Gaga? Oh, yeah. see, I, I really think um, Yelitsa Aparicio. Really? Yeah. Imagine uh, if you just pulled the underdog and won that, hey? Again, because it's just oh. that. Like, it is the amount of solid, mm. like, continuous acting that needs to happen in Roma. Yes. And that, it's, and that so much of it is so mm. subtle. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I really think she's, no. she's my pick. I think Olivia Coleman is fantastic as the queen, yep. as Queen Anne and yep. um, the favourite. She just plays this perfect queen who is just very stuck up, like it can, it can easily be manipulated, but, you know, she's the boss all the time and yep. she gets upset when she doesn't have enough cake and just played it to a T yeah. perfect okay. as well. So, yeah, and interesting. I think as well, the Academy voters like a good... Um, 18th century or 17th century period yeah. piece around yeah. okay. I think it'll win out best director um, we have Spike Lee for Black Klansman yep Powell Powellansky for Cold War which I did not see coming um, Yagos Lanthimos for The Favourite my oh, man Alfonso Cuaron for Roma and Adam McKay for Vice I think Alfonso Cuaron's got yeah. this in the bag me too as much as I want Yagos to win I think Adam I'm sorry not Adam McKay Alfonso will win it 100% yeah. there's a part of me that Really want Spike Lee yeah, to I was win. Just, I yeah, was literally I think, just look, about to say that. I think he's a bit of the underdog. I think if yeah. it's not um, Alfonso, I think Spike Lee will sneak in. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is somehow his first nomination as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Which is might, random. No, so they might like that narrative, but I think Alfonso Cuaron, he won the Director's Guild. Yeah. yeah. Which I, is the, I do think that Alfonso Cuaron, um, his directing is superb mm, in Roma. It is. Yeah. Um, I just, I think I would just like Spike Lee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. And the big one. Best picture. Mm. Here we go. Black Panther. Ugh. Why is that in there? <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Stupid Academy Awards. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Yep. Black Klansman. Bohemian Rhapsody. The Favourite. Green Book. Ugh. Roma. <laughs> a Star is Born. And Vice. This is tough. Yeah. Especially since 
Green Book won the Best Musical or Comedy in the Golden Globes, and Bohemian Rhapsody somehow won Best Drama, the Golden Globes. Yeah. I think... And Roma also took out Best Foreign, foreign Film at the Golden I Globes. I think Roma will win. Okay. However, I will not be surprised if Bohemian Rhapsody or Green Book wins, but I, would, I think I would be extremely upset if those beat out Roma. Yeah, I would like Bohemian Rhapsody to win. Interesting. Purely just because I loved that film. I yep. cannot wait for it to come out on iTunes so I can watch it again. Mm. Um, but we've had many discussions, you and I, Zach, that <laughs> I think Black, Black Panther will win this. It will not. And it I will be it. absolutely furious if it does. It will not win. I don't want it to win, but it I wins, have a feeling that it will. I will honestly lose all of my faith in the Academy. Like, it's already strenuous. Yes. I think... As I've mentioned many a times on this podcast, it is what Black Panther stands for and yep. how it's tra- this phenomenon in culture, particularly in you know African American culture. How yep. we have which this- is well deserved, exactly well, well deserved, deserved and well placed. How there's this icon for kids and yep. to look up to this superhero that's never been done before, and yep. how it which is great, yeah, exemplified African culture through production design and yep. costume design, which no one's not hundred percent should yep. win as a film. It is so meh. It is meh. It is yeah. so... It is a hard meh, man. Like, it's... The story is nothing spectacular. Like, I feel like whilst one can argue that the impact of of it in pop culture is a byproduct of the film, that is not how a film should it's, be judged yeah, in its, it's entirety. Not, not grounds enough for it to be best picture no. worthy. I just, I just also think it's a bit inconsistent when Black Panther is not nominated for best acting, best supporting acting... Best writer, best, best director, write, yeah, like best writing, best dre- directing. Like it's not nominated for any of that, no, it's which all it should te- be in every category. Well, it's all nominated for technical stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Which again, like it's it's, it's well deserved. Which is like well it's, deserving. So it's got costume design and score, production That's design a, as well, oh, and production yeah. design. Sorry, and produ- so it's got those three. I just I don't think that's very consistent, and I'm, mm. I like again, Black Panther is a monumental film, and I'm using that word specifically but I just do not think that it is best picture worthy, especially no. when you can think about you... previous nominations, previous shortlistings. It's just like, I mean, The King's Speech and Black Panther and Inception and Black Panther. And Inception wasn't nominated for best picture. Wasn't it? No, I don't think it was. I'll check. You go on. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like, you know, Dunkirk last year and like all these monumental best pictures, they're just not, do you reckon, I do not think Black Panther is. Do you think best the only reason category? it's in here is because of how socially well it's gone? Yes. And one hundred percent, and because it made a billion dollars. Billion dollars, I could not care less. No, I I couldn't care less. But do you no. think that's the reason it's in there? No, I think it's all it's to do with the effect that it's had on pop culture okay. and what it's done for various um, African Americans in yeah. America. I yeah. think a hundred percent that's why it's in there. Do you know what? Which I think- it's well, like that stuff. As I said, is great. And what it's done, as Tyson said, it's monumental, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's when f- we would never take that away. I am mm. so happy and proud that Marvel have done this. But again, it's not best picture worthy. Like I, a- would, I think that it would be better for them to actually have given them an honorary Oscar yeah. for its contributions its to society. Whereas I think putting it in best picture, I, uh, yeah, I just Maybe don't Maybe that's think why they put it in because they just don't want to give it an Oscar for the sake of it. They'll like maybe put them up against other people and see how it fares. No, well, they were already going to give it an Oscar for the best popular film category. Like that category oh, was made to give Black Panther, but then they pulled it out because everyone was like complaining about it. Yeah. How that category is so subjective and how can you give an award for a most popular film? Yeah. Yeah. 
So what was your pick again for best picture? Roma. Roma. What was yours? Bohemian Andrew? Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. I I think Roma's going to take it. Yeah. Really? If um, we, yeah. I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody is good enough. I would just like it to win. Over, oh, yeah. like, over I think, Roma, I, think I would like it. Great. I don't think it's good I mean, enough. I'm not the favourite twin, but yeah, I feel that, like yeah. that would be better. Mm. I think it's interesting. Has So is Roma the first movie that's been best no. nominated for best foreign film no. and best film? So there's been eight films that have done it before. Okay. No foreign language film has won both foreign and best picture. Yeah, well, wow. So maybe, it'll be the first to do it, and I think it will be the first Well, then maybe I would win. like that then, for them yeah. to win two for... No. Both categories would be nice. Yeah. yeah. Because the favourite and Roma all have both have ten nominations each. Yeah. So they're Sweet. I think Roma will win both of those. Yeah. Interesting. That is our Oscar picks. So yeah, I think they'll we'll, be the big winners. We will see how it unfolds. This Oscar is gonna be interesting this year. All of the reports on its viewership and how it's slowing down and no host and all of that. And yeah. When is it? Twenty fifth of February for us here in Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah. 24th is when it's actually happening in the States, in the but it's yeah. the morning of the 25th exactly. for Australia. So what I've got time. that day off work. It'll be 9 o'clock. In the morning? Yep. No. 24th. I've booked day off work. I'm going to watch it with some friends. Yeah. You guys can come in if you wanted to as well. Mm, maybe. Mm. Maybe we do a recording directly I, after it. We'll see. We'll see if we're do, okay. I do work. <laughs> <laughs> Jobs. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, oh, I could be off. We will talk about that. Later. Try and organise something. Um, that's it. That's all we got time for. Uh, as a reminder, we had past of the Green Mile, uh, V for Vendetta, and the Lobster. We then talked about DC Universe's new or uh, um flagship show, mm. Titans. And then we talked about what we think is going to happen for the Oscars. You can get in contact with us on Twitter at SRTW Podcast. Tweet. Um. Yep. Uh, it also really helps if you like the show, give us a rating and review on mm. iTunes or Google Play. Get the name you can around. find us on all of the normal podcasting platforms. Recommend it to all your friends um, if you do enjoy the listen. Mm. And we will see you next time. I'm Tyson. I'm Andrew. And I'm Zach. And we'll see you next time on Screen Review Time Warp. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.